Hello, beings of Earth. I'm your host, Mia Verma. Welcome to eBrandCast, where we decode what branding truly is so you can build a dominant e-com brand. In this episode, we're going to take some content marketing lessons for an unlikely source, NASCAR. Yep, that NASCAR. Why? Because they've managed to powerfully revive their sport and brand to its former glory with a smart approach to content marketing. And they use tricks and tactics that any one of us can steal for our own brand building process. Ready to race? Let's strap on those helmets. Although NASCAR remains one of the most successful sport franchises in the US, they've struggled to stay relevant in the last decade. As of 2019, TV ratings for the Daytona 500, the most popular race on the schedule, was down 38% from 2015. They were able to stem the Blini in 2018. There was only a 1% drop in the viewership between 2018 and 2019, but those fans weren't getting any younger. As of 2016, the average age of a NASCAR TV viewer was 58. In the 10 years since 2006, that average fan age rose by nine years, meaning the same core group of fans were watching, but NASCAR seemed to be failing to pull in a new generation. But they lost a few of their diehard fans as well. In the mid-2010s, NASCAR was still trying to find a way to recover from major changes to the sports culture originating in the early 2000s, as well as a huge cheating scandal in 2013. It was a hard fall for a once mighty brand. So powerful, in fact, that the term NASCAR dad was actually described as a demographic group in the 2004 U.S. presidential election. But by then, the sport was already changing. In the span of six months in 2000, three NASCAR drivers were killed. Adam Petty, a fourth-generation driver, Kenny Irwin Jr., and Tony Roper. Then in early 2001, Dale Earnhardt was killed during the final lap of the Daytona 500. Earnhardt's death in particular spurred intense investigations that led to sweeping overhauls to driver safety measures. The result was far fewer crashes. A study conducted by the University of Iowa in 2011 discovered that the likelihood of seeing a crash increases viewership, and each additional crash leads to a 6% bump in viewers. So, despite being the absolutely right decision, a significant number of fans found NASCAR a lot less exciting following the changes and started tuning out. A few years later, in an attempt to boost ratings, NASCAR totally overhauled their championship qualifications. Up until 2004, just like Formula One, NASCAR championships were decided strictly on a point system. Depending upon where a driver finished on the podium, points were awarded with the most points going to the winner. At the end of the season, the driver with the most points won. But with TV ratings dwindling, NASCAR noticed that the point system was accelerating the situation. There were seasons a driver could mathematically guarantee a championship win several races before the end of the season. And it was totally possible for a driver to finish poorly in several races and still win the championship. In fact, in 2003, the NASCAR champion was Matt Kenseth, who only won one race but finished in the top 10 25 times, meaning he had that steady stream of points. Ryan Newman, on the other hand, won eight races, but because he crashed in several races and was unable to finish, 
he lost out on enough points to wind up sixth in the championship by the end of the season. NASCAR worried the point system was becoming too confusing to fans and contributing to viewership numbers dwindling as the season went on. So in 2004, they introduced a playoff system. The first half of the season would be based on points after they redistributed the point values to reward drivers for consistent winning over consistent finishes. And throughout this first half, drivers at the bottom of the pack are eliminated. In the second half of the season, only 16 drivers compete over the final 10 races, with the most points winning the championship. However, the system has gone through several iterations starting in 2004. It underwent upheavals in 2007, 2011, 2014, and then again in 2017. To an extent, the changes worked at first. And the same University of Iowa study that found fewer people were tuning in because the sport was now safer also found that close point races leading up to the championship was a big draw for viewers. And of course. And networks also saw even more viewer numbers across the season. But the new playoff system had its drawbacks. The bracket-style system put huge pressure on teams to crack the top 12 in the standings. Not just to qualify for the championship, but in order to secure sponsors, as being the top 12 meant greater visibility or the course of a full season for sponsors, not just the first half. And once the playoff rounds began, this eliminated 31 drivers that were more or less ignored. Unwittingly, it put teams and drivers under pressure to cheat. And surprisingly, they did. In September of 2013, Clint Bauer, a driver for Michael Waltrip Racing, appeared to purposefully spin out with only a few laps to go in the race. As a result of the crash, a safety flag was brought out, meaning drivers were forced to slow down and prohibited from passing each other. It's a bit like a pause button, but every lap still counts. The move ended up blocking Ryan Newman from qualifying for the Chase Series and instead ensured his teammate, Martin True Jr., squeezed through. Fans were some of the first to cry foul as those listening to the radio conversations between the teams and their drivers heard that Michael Waltrip team telling Bauer to itch his arm right before the spin out. And at the end of it, Michael Waltrip Racing was fined $300,000 and stripped off the points. True was pulled out of the playoffs and the drivers who were blocked from qualifying, Ryan Newman and Jeff Gordon, were put back in. The decision polarized fans and it precipitated another huge rule change in 2014, including a winner-take-all race between the top four drivers at the end of the season. The legacy of the scandal was twofold now. First, it seriously undermined the Tanaskar brand. It definitely tarnished it. And many fans started to question whether results could be trusted. And secondly, fans were starting to get annoyed with the constant changes to the rules, changes they often didn't like, and rightly so. It created a lot of disenfranchised fans who ended up losing interest altogether. Entire sections of NPCs became a regular site on broadcast. And even though NASCAR does not release official attendance numbers, deserted grandstands at even the most prestigious races were hard to miss. Tracks like Daytona and Richmond made the decision to rip out tens of thousands of seats to avoid the bad optics. So by 2018, with TV viewership plummeting and race attendance dwindling, it felt like NASCAR had bottomed out. Of course, the start of the 2020 seasons was delayed due to COVID pandemic 
and races eventually aired with no fans in attendance at all, but these are extreme circumstances, as we all know. And prior to the season, though these converging crises sparked big changes to the brand, spearheaded by a new content marketing strategy. And it wasn't all bad news. They recognized they had amazing assets to leverage. Heading into the 2019 season, lots of experts pointed out NASCAR was attracting maybe the best generations of young drivers into the sport. It was an opportunity to connect to a whole new audience of fans and re-engage lapsed believers. The core insight was that as a sports franchise, and just like modern e-commerce entrepreneurs, there are both marketers and publishers. That means any content they produce has a dual role. Of course, it should encapsulate and sell the NASCAR brand and experience. But on the other hand, it also needs to be entertaining and engaging enough to convert the curious into loyal fans. Even though they had been marketing and producing content for years, it lacked a cohesive message. And up until 2018, NASCAR's marketing was divided into separate specialized teams. For instance, there was a team dedicated to maintaining the website, and another team took care of the socials, another did video productions, and so on and so forth. Content creation under the system almost meant every piece required coordination among several teams who didn't always have the same list of priorities. NASCAR's content pipeline as a result was slow and unpredictable. It also lacked a coherence arc of a story, so it wasn't capturing anyone's imagination. As a first step, in the summer of 2018, NASCAR decided to unify their content team into a single group who would manage everything. It was partly inspired by the hope that modernizing their content approach would more effectively expose the sport to a younger audience. And like any other publisher, they have to ensure the content will be easily found. The content team used metadata to optimize their videos according to what their audience valued the most. They used tools like Google Trends to figure out what search terms to use in their video titles and metadata. But it doesn't stop there. Because of the unpredictable nature of sports, certain drivers, for instance, may spike in search trends for any number of reasons. NASCAR has to combine insights gained from trends with a deep understanding of their audience. So they're looking for trends that will appeal directly to their core base of fans. For instance, one of their video titles is NASCAR fans roar after Dale Earnhardt Jr. finishes fifth, honors father Darlington Raceway. This video is optimized for popular keyword searches like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Darlington Raceway. But because his father was a NASCAR legend, adding honors father helps place a video in suggested videos for someone researching for Dale Earnhardt Sr. Even adding finishes fifth will attract fans who didn't watch the race but are looking up to Dale Earnhardt's results. It's adding this kind of metadata that gives the video visibility to a wide array of searches and will keep it relevant. NASCAR knows their drivers are their best assets, so leveraging their popularity in metadata is key here. And Transporting that for e-commerce entrepreneurs, metadata plays a similar role as it impacts your brand's visibility when consumers Google product attributes they care about. Making sure your brand is discoverable with a meta description that will capture the attendance of the right audience. For example, 
The meta description for e-commerce brand, Death with Wish Coffee, uses keywords like top online coffee seller, which communicates they are the best trusted choice. And also, fair trade and high caffeine to capture consumers that may be looking for strong coffee but aren't yet aware of the brand. It's a description that will capture consumers coming from several different perspectives, just like NASCAR's video titles. And as far as the content itself, NASCAR recognized the important lesson from their shrinking TV numbers, which is TV viewership isn't the whole picture. One of the reasons viewership is declining is that a fan's relationship to the broadcast is changing. Before the internet was in everyone's pockets, sports broadcasters were the key figures educating fans about the sport. Broadcasters would almost have access to more facts and stats than the average viewer at home would. So part of the draw to tune in was to get more complete analysis of how a race would unfold and why. Watching broadcasts regularly would also give fans an opportunity to absorb a lot of sports history as announcers discuss past races and championships. But now, fans at home have instant access to all of the same information a network or announcer does. Where the TV broadcasts used to be the best lightning rod for engaging with the sport, it's now almost last on the list. Younger fans are much more likely to stream sports than they are to watch on a traditional network, numbers that aren't included in TV ratings. Not only that, the number of ways a fan can now follow the sport has multiplied as well. NASCAR offers a phone and tablet app called RaceView, services like RaceBuddy, which allows fans to stream in car cameras, view leaderboards, and listen to live team radio. And while NASCAR has yet to offer an official centralized streaming service like other sports, fans can watch races live through Fox and NBC who share NASCAR broadcast rights. The content team understood that in order to keep fans engaged, they'd have to showcase something unique that fans don't have access to. Once again, it was an opportunity to leverage NASCAR talent by giving teams and drivers a chance to give fans a look behind the scenes. One popular video example is your driver Chase Elliott giving a tour of the motor coach the team used at Darlington. By showcasing drivers, NASCAR is leveraging what's totally unique to them. They also encourage their drivers to express their personalities, and many of them have their own dedicated YouTube channels. This helps drivers connect with their own community of fans, each of its micro-demographic. For example, Austin Dillon's channel features a regular podcast called Barn Life, whereas Kyle Busch's channel has a lot of behind-the-scenes clip-off races as well as candid videos of his family and new puppy. But Jimmy Johnson's channel is almost exclusively focused on the racing world. You may not have that kind of asset in your business, but the point here is to zero in on what you can showcase in your content that no one else can. This insight will require some creativity to put into practice. The obvious content types to start leveraging is behind-the-scenes look at the manufacturing process, employees, and operations of your store. Don't underestimate the appeal of this kind of content. Although it might be mundane to you, most of us are already interested to see how other people live and work, especially the people behind the brands we love. If, like NASCAR, you have proprietary assets, you can leverage that do that. But for many of you, the unique value delivering your content might be a brand's personality or unique perspective on widely available information. Remember, information alone isn't very valuable. 
helping people understand what information means, that is valuable. And just like NASCAR, a lot of this content will be top of the funnel, caption curiosity in your category or solution. One e-commerce brand that comes to mind that creates amazing content at this level is ProFlowers, who created a near encyclopedia of 151 types of flowers. Each type is complete with images, seasonality, and other information like where it grows. Is this information available with a simple Google search? Sure. But what makes it unique is ProFlowers is putting it all in one place. Back to NASCAR, they also recognized that New York fans were more likely to engage with the brand online. So NASCAR totally revamped NASCAR.com for mobile as half of its visitors were using their phones to access it. The site now operates like a companion to watching a race and its user numbers are likely about to skyrocket with attending a race out of the question for the foreseeable future. It's the essence of omnichannel understanding how your customers interact with your brand and how. Some customers like to shop in store with e-commerce channels as a research guide. Others prefer to research on mobile and purchase on desktop or order online, then pick it up in the store. Understanding how to build an integrated omnichannel landscape tailored to how your customers prefer to interact with your brand is key here. And this is how both the online and offline worlds will continue to blur. Again, the core lesson for entrepreneurs here is that creating compelling content is all about knowing who your audience is and what their needs are. And those needs do change over the course. Fans used to need to tune into a TV broadcast. Now they want to get to know the personalities of their favorite driver. That doesn't mean NASCAR didn't also experiment with out-of-the-box thinking. There are only so many driver interviews or backstage tours that will get fans excited. One of the most popular videos on NASCAR's channel is called Daytona's Biggest Moment Told with Toy Blocks. The video matches archived audio of race broadcasts with stop motion, including a hilarious brawl recreated with play mobile figures. The video also ended with a setup for the next Daytona 500, featuring play mobile figures with animated faces. It's a reminder to keep an eye on other creative trends out there, including memes. It's not a guarantee you'll go viral, but can result in some really funny content. And don't forget to collaborate with other creators. You might have no idea how to produce a stop motion video, but there are plenty of people out there who would know. And having an unconventional team up can have the added benefit of helping your brand feel more authentic. And like NASCAR leveraging interest in Daytona, one of the biggest events, you can do the same as well. Seamless, an online delivery service based in the U.S., did something similar in 2014 where they piggybacked on the Oscars and created the hashtag OscarNomNoms. They posted a series of images that transformed the posters of nominated movies into food puns. So the Wolf of Wall Street became the Wolf of Waffle Street. Another way NASCAR is appealing to a younger generation is by integrating emerging tech into their content strategy. Understanding most millennials are online, NASCAR is using virtual and augmented reality to give younger fans a more immersive experience, closer to what it's like to attend a race. And it's going to be interesting to see whether these advancements take off. With the older generation of fans, now that social distancing will reshape what it means to watch a race, at least for the time being. 
NASCAR live streams pre-race events with a 360-degree views, including drivers' meetings and in-team garages as a prepare. The 360 view can be accessed through a mobile device or a VR headset. They also posted links across the mobile app, Facebook profile, and on YouTube. They have plans to put 360-degree cameras inside the cars during a race in the future to offer fans a driver's eye view. NASCAR also added augmented reality experience to their app. It was first offered to fans attending the Daytona 500 and allowed them to take pictures of the event while adding race themes items to their photos. It was a way to encourage fans to create and share their own content, and it also motivated more NASCAR fans to download and start using the NASCAR app. Future plans are to give users the ability to access the technology at any time, not just during events, and to allow them to place bigger items like full race cars into their own environment. Emerging tech is becoming an increasingly important tool in e-commerce as well. From furniture retailers that allow you to imagine an item in your own space before delivery, or apps that let you preview cosmetics, glasses, and jewelry. Most of the applications in this tech is to be used as purchase tools rather than content, but they can be easily combined with more traditional behind-the-scenes tools as well. If you have a tech product, using virtual or augmented reality to allow customers to look at internal components could be another creative application for valuable and unique content. In essence, don't put emerging tech into the silo as a conversion tool only. There's a lot more potential for content as well. NASCAR has also been working with voice assistants. They've made their weekly podcast, Glass Case of Emotion, and created NASCAR Flash Briefing for Alexa and Google Home, which will give fans full updates on race results every Monday. NASCAR sees this as a bet on the future, and that building a presence on voice platforms will help them grow with technology as it develops. And just like we counsel entrepreneurs at eBrand Builders, NASCAR explains they feel they have fans who are already using this technology and so are trying to offer valuable content that reaches them. Critically, NASCAR isn't just catering to current fans. They also optimize their content to convert casual viewers into diehards. Their YouTube channel, for instance, is primed to encourage subscribing and long-term viewership. They adhere to all of the best practices by adding end screens that promote other videos on the channel, their website, and links to merchandise. Videos also feature calls to action to like and subscribe, and they've set up channel trailers as well. All of the driver channels use these techniques as well. On average, subscribed viewers watch twice as many viewers as non-subscribers, so converting subscribers is one of the best ways to start nurturing a new fan base. NASCAR is especially smart about it as well and carefully selects channel trailers. For example, leading up to the 2020 season, the feature trailer is the video Six Minutes of Seven Time, What Jimmy Johnson's Career Unfold. Following Jimmy Johnson's announcement that 2020 will be his last season, giving new fans this retrospective can help them emotionally invest in the season even before it starts and prompting them to tune in. For entrepreneurs, this is a lesson in storytelling. The path any given customer takes to discovering your brand will vary widely, but making sure you're always leading with a story will go a long way to hooking the customer and their attention. Just like NASCAR's YouTube channels, use the channel trailers to pique curiosity and following the larger story. 
not strictly an e-commerce brand, but Columbia does an excellent job of this on their homepage. They use a Pinterest-like tile design on their homepage. Each image has text overlaid like shop men's, shop women's, and so on. The image feature people wearing their products, but their lifestyle photos, including nature shots. The products are just a small part of the image, and at the top of the page is the title, Adventure Awaits. Columbia invites visitors to see the purchase journey as a choose-your-own-adventure story, piquing curiosity and drawing into them. Of course, it's not just the content you publish. The other side of a successful content strategy is timing. NASCAR understands that its fans won't always be able to catch a race or are just looking for highlights, so they make sure to upload sought-after clips as soon as possible. And this is made possible by the fact that the content team is now unified, so there is a solid workflow in place and clips can be turned around quickly. Aside from finding a clip and uploading, they have pre-made library of metadata templates and thousands of optimized thumbnails to make sure there's little delay as possible. The faster NASCAR can upload an official clip of a viral moment, the more views they will get. For example, other than the usual race results and recaps, they upload multiple car wrecks and any scuffle between drivers or teams. In 2019, one such video was Bauer and Newman go at it on pit road after an all-star race, which featured a fist fight and a lot of finger pointing. It's all integrated with their socials as uploaded clips like these are shared across their Facebook, Instagrams, and Twitters. NASCAR also uses content to prime fans for the season's tentpole events like the Daytona 500 in February, among others. Using Google Trends, NASCAR pinpoints when interest in these events start to pick up and they start posting relevant content to build excitement. For example, last season, NASCAR posted 30 videos in the 10 weeks leading up to the Daytona 500 with Daytona 500 in the title. They then front-loaded five Daytona videos the next day before the race and posted seven days the day after, one each day for the next four days. You are not going to have this kind of event, but you'll have a natural high and low throughout the year. Certain holidays may bring significant upticks in order volume, or your products are strictly seasonal like Christmas decorations or Mother's Day cards. Tailoring your content strategy to gear up for your customers for these events can ensure you're setting customers on the buyer's journey just in time to order at the best time. You don't want to wait until traffic peaks in order to put out matching content. Timing is everything, and making sure you're catching that early interest ensures your content stays at top of search results when that peak hits. Getting this right will depend on the peculiarities of your customers. But because about one quarter of American consumers start holiday shopping around Thanksgiving, most holiday gift guides will start to pop up in the week or two leading up to Black Friday. Finally, like most other sports, NASCAR has a lengthy off-season. In 2020, obviously, it was a lot longer than usual too. But NASCAR has always used this gap as an opportunity to keep fans engaged and get them excited about the upcoming season. So by the time the season usually ends in November, the content team has already shot lots of film before drivers and teams take a break, enough to feed their average of 50 uploads a week to YouTube. They also dive into the archives and put together season reviews, compilations, and blooper reels, which cuts down on their need for new footage. This also gives them an opportunity to strategically plan the release of pre-shot videos, like post and driver interviews recapping their season experience right after the season ends and features looking forward to the new season starting after New Year's. 
As a result of this content strategy overall, NASCAR is seeing their digital numbers explode. After 13,200 videos posted to their YouTube channel as of recording this podcast, they've gotten 300 million views. But the best part is who is watching. Remember the average age of a NASCAR TV viewer at 58? For NASCAR's online channels, 26.7% of the audience is between 18 to 24. 30.6% is in the age range of 25 to 34, and 14.7% between 35 and 44. So that's 72% of audience under 44, way beyond that 58 average number that we had before. And their TV ratings are starting to show signs of modest recovery as well. Midway through the 2019 season, NBC announced that viewership of the cup race in Michigan had improved by 14% since 2018. Not all due to the content strategy, I'm sure, but goes to show you how many brands can turn around with the right tools. Remember, content plays two interrelated roles. It's a marketing tool and a branding tool. It doesn't just sell your brand experience. It engages your audience's emotions in order to transform curiosity into loyalty long-term. As a branding tool specifically, you need to see yourself as a content publisher, which means your strategy should be planned way in advance. Not just to avoid scrambling for content, but so you can produce content that works together to tell a larger story, to have an overall arc that keeps your audience hooked. You've been listening to eBrandCast, where we decode what branding truly is so you can build a dominant e-com brand. If you enjoyed today's show, please let us know. We'd love to get your feedback, and we read every review we get. Not just that, but since our podcast is brand new, reviews help us out a lot. They increase the visibility of the podcast and help us reach more entrepreneurs like yourself. More importantly, your suggestions let us know what we're doing well and what we can improve, so please post your thoughts. And as a thank you for taking the time, we're offering everyone who leaves us a review free lifetime access to the 7C Canvas platform. It's an online tool that allows you to fill out, save, and share as many versions of the 7C Canvas as you can come up with. What's the 7C Canvas? It's the ultimate one-pager building block technique to creating an e-commerce brand strategy. It accompanies our flagship 7C method and is the perfect companion for our book checkout. Getting access to it is an easy three-step process. First, post a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is always welcome. Second, take a screenshot of your review and finally email your screenshot to reviews at ebrandbuilders.com. That's reviews at ebrandbuilders.com. And we'll reply back with instructions to access a new home of your brand strategy. Can't wait for the next new episode and want to hear more? You can find all of our past episodes at ebrandcast.com. And you can make sure you never miss a new episode by subscribing. Thank you again for tuning in today. See you in the next one. Bye for now.